Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Some kind of role in departing the law. And because Paul mentions it here, there must be some truth to that because he can confirm that fact. But now he's talking about an intermediary applies more than one. That is, there's God, there's Moses, and there's Israel. But God is one. The promise was made by God himself. It wasn't dependent on Israel doing anything. It was a promise to Abraham, even 430 years before the law, that he would send a deliverer, a rescuer. Not just a physical deliverer, but a spiritual one. So God promised it himself. I was going to put up here, and I think I'm going to throw this in just for the fun of it. When, when God gave that promise to Abraham, he created a covenant with Abraham. And literally in Hebrew, the word for covenant is from the word cutting. You don't just make a covenant, you cut a covenant. When two people wanted to have a treaty, they would take animals and cut them in two, and they, the two parties would walk between the animals and basically what they're saying is, if we don't keep our word, so be it to us. May we be torn in two. But when God gave the promise to Abraham, there were animals cut, but only God in the vision of a, of a, a, a pot, a steaming pot and a fiery flame. God walked between the animals. He made the promise himself. So the distinction between the law, which required a go-between, and the promise, which was before Abraham and is continuing today, is that God promised it's unconditional. He said, I'll keep my word. And that's the distinction. Now today, when we talk about going to God, we don't need somebody to go to God for us. Now I know the scriptures do talk about praying for one another and sometimes calling the elders to pray for healing and so forth like that. But we don't have to go to the pastor or the priest or some other clergyman to pray for you. You have immediate access to God. Because there's a verse in 1 Timothy, we're going to put that up there, I think, that Paul wrote, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. You can go directly to God in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, you want one of us to pray for you, that'd be great, but you don't need that. You don't have to have that. You don't go to somebody to get forgiveness of sin other than God himself. Now, men pass laws that provide for offenses of one man against another, but ultimately all sin is an offense against God. So the laws of God are permanent, and they, they express his holiness and our need to obey him in all things. Now let me, let me ask you a question. Can anyone obtain eternal life by keeping the law? It's kind of a trick question. Because the law is perfect, and if you kept it perfectly, yeah, you'd be righteous. But can anyone do that? No, not at all, that's right. There's a verse in James, I want to put that up there, 
James writes, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable or guilty for all of it. If you break one law, you're a lawbreaker. And so since none of us can keep the law perfectly, the law came never as a standard of salvation. It was never intended to save anyone because nobody could keep it. Nobody could ever be saved by that. No one can be saved by keeping the perfect law because no one can keep the law perfectly except Jesus himself. He was able to do that. He was without sin. Now, when I was a kid, I started learning to play uh, the trumpet. And, you know, you've heard the saying, people say, practice makes perfect. My band director, Miss Cooper, she always added, practice makes perfect only if perfection is practiced. Because if you don't practice something well and right, it won't help you. You'll just keep making the same mistakes over. We can never practice perfection by the law because none of us can keep that perfectly. So this leads us to the second purpose of the law, which Pastor Jared's going to be speaking on more next week. The perfect law reveals our imperfection and need for a Savior. So the law was given because of transgressions. The word transgression literally means trans, across, means that we go across a line. Because of sin, the law was given to control man's sinfulness to a degree, never perfectly because we don't follow it. But it was also given to show us our imperfection as the passage will continue to be a tutor to lead us to Christ. And I'll leave that to Pastor Jared to compare to expound on that next week. But I do want to give you one verse from Romans chapter 5 that Paul writes, the law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Now, Paul is not suggesting the law came in to make us more sinful, to make us do more sins. The law came in to reveal more sinfulness in us. The more laws you have, the more opportunities you have to transgress, to break those laws, right? People, if you didn't have any laws, you wouldn't have any knowledge of sin. And that's what he's saying. There's also an extended passage in Romans 7 that I would refer you to, that I didn't know what covetousness was till the law said, don't covet. But when we have a law, then we see our imperfection and our sinfulness. And so what Paul is saying is when the law came in, sin increased, transgression increased in terms of our knowledge of that, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. God's grace is so great and so deep that he covers all sins. You've heard me say this a thousand times, probably I'll say it 1,001, that for some people, you first have to get them to to be lost before you can get them to be saved. You've got to show them that they need something. And this is true for religious people, for people uh, like the the New Testament Pharisees. They didn't think they needed them. We're good people. We keep the law. And they did. They kept the law as best as anybody could, I suppose. But they kept it for the wrong reasons and with hypocrisy in their own life, and they didn't recognize that. So for some people, the issue is getting them lost before they can understand they need a savior. They need to know they're sick, as Jesus said, before they'll call a physician. 
Other people know their sinfulness, and they don't think they're good. They don't think they can be saved. They don't think they could be rescued. They're just too bad. God doesn't want them. I always say that these people don't understand the offense of sin, the depth of their sin, and even the best of us offend God by our sin. These people don't understand the depth of God's grace. And no matter how sinful they are, God can save them. Now, that doesn't mean God likes sin. doesn't mean he wants them to continue in that sin. He told a woman that caught an adultery, go and sin no more. Now, obviously, he's not talking about she'll never sin again, but she's talking about that specific sin. Cut that out. You know, cut that out, the sexual sin that you're doing. So those are the categories we need to pray for. That. So when, when the law came in, it should show us our sin, but even so, grace abounds. I'm going to put up the next slide. There's a speed limit, 55 miles an hour. That's a little bit too fast for here. But I, my illustration is this. The speed limit down here is 35 on this, on Crystal Drive, okay? And I see people going a lot faster than that down that road. On my street, there is no speed limit sign. But it's in the books that it should be 25, Okay? Now, if there was no speed limit sign or no law in the books as such, it would still be wrong to drive through my neighborhood at 60 miles an hour. But it wouldn't be a crime if there's no law. You know, some people want to decriminalize everything. They want to say, well, it's not wrong. You don't want poor people in jail for doing this or that or the other thing. And I've often said, hey, I could eliminate all crime overnight. Just abolish all laws. There wouldn't be any crime, per se, but there would still be sin. It would still be wrong. And people driving down the road too fast in my neighborhood risk hurting somebody, if not themselves. I was out doing some work uh, the other day. I guess it was Friday. And this guy on a motorcycle came here. I guess he was trying to try out his new toy. He just came zipping down three times, back and forth. And then I heard him down other streets, just going fast as he could down a a residential area. So the law came in to show us and demonstrate to us and make us more aware of our sin. Now I'm going to conclude with the last two verses just on, uh, to, to point out some things there. And in Galatians 3.21, it says, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. The, the law doesn't contradict the promises Let's go back to the, that one. the law doesn't contradict the promise of Abraham, the promise of a Messiah, but it was, it was put in place because of sin, because Israel needed a guide, and we do as well. And although we as a, uh, a country, as a church, are not under the Old Testament Mosaic law, a lot of those laws are still valid in terms of uh, conduct, and a lot of our statutes in this country are based on Old Testament law, that's quickly changing, unfortunately, but uh, that's the case. But look at that last phrase. If there would, could have been a law that could have given us eternal life, if there was a law that you and I would live by and in doing so would be able to get into heaven and uh, attain the righteousness we need, then why in the world did Jesus die? There's no point to that. There was an earlier verse in Galatians that said the same thing. I don't nullify the grace of God because it would be hopeless and un without purpose for Jesus to die. 
If, it was, if there was a law or some kind of standard by which you and I could live to get to heaven, then God would have said, do it. It's up to you. It's all up to you. But none of us could. None of us could obtain the righteousness of God by our own works. And that's why the law cannot save. It never was intended to. You know, I, I think Greg pointed this out last week. Some people got this misunderstanding that in the Old Testament, they got saved by keeping the law. In the New Testament, they got saved by grace. No, it's always by grace. It was always by grace. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, we have no idea about their spiritual response. We, we don't really have much content about that. You know, are they going to be in heaven? I don't know. Cause it doesn't say much about it. But remember when Noah, in Noah's day, when everything was terrible and bad and God was wanting to essentially wipe out the human race, he chose Noah to build a, an ark, a boat, and save him, him and his family. But what does it say Noah found? Grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It doesn't mean Noah was perfect, and that's why God saved him. You could probably conjecture that he's better than most, but he still had to have grace. It was still grace that saved him and his family. Okay, last verse then. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The scripture and its laws essentially show us that we are prisoners, we're bound, we're behind bars because we are to see our own imperfection, our own unworthiness before a righteous and holy God. Now some people, when you talk about God's justice and God's righteousness, some people think that that makes God some kind of mean-spirited tyrant and he's up there just wanting to squash you every time you step out of line, hit you with a baseball bat or something. Well, that's true, we would all be gone. We'd all be gone a long time ago. The Bible says he's gracious, and his wrath has been held back from us. But the fact that he's holy and righteous, he can't change that. He can't just lay that aside and say, well, I'll let you guys in because you're not too bad, and maybe I'll take some of these folks over here. He can't. He cannot change himself. He is unchangeable, immutable, so he must punish sin, and he did that in the person of Jesus Christ. So as Mike comes up, we'll, we'll conclude. The scriptures in its perfect law condemn all men as sinners and holds them in bondage until the coming of Christ, who sets us free by faith in him and his perfect sacrifice for sin, Rather than being in conflict, the law and promise each have an important role. The law convicts men of their sin. The perfect law reveals our imperfection and need for a Savior. And as you talk with people, we were talking in class here, we need to listen to people's story, but we need to understand how that story plays into their need for Christ. Some of them recognize their sinfulness and think, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I, God doesn't want me. Well, they're right about the first part. You're not good enough. But God wants and desires that all men come to Christ. Others might think, well, I'm, I'm okay. I don't hurt people. I'm, I'm going to church often and blah, blah, blah. They think they're good enough and they're, nobody's good enough. So the law was given to govern, Christ, uh, govern Israel and because of sin, 
but it was also given to show us the way to Christ, to show us our need. So let me ask that question. Have you understood that? I know many of you, but nobody knows your heart but God. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know that forgiveness and that release from sin that is only available through Him? And that's what Galatians is all about. Don't get trapped in the legalism of the day that you must con must conform to certain laws or forms in order to get to heaven. You need to con you need to simply reach out and receive the gift of eternal life, and then God will help you become the person he wants you to be, to be conformed to the image of his son, to the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you loved us enough that even while we were yet sinners, you loved us and sent your son to die on the cross to pay for our sin. Help us not to stand in our own righteousness, which is like filthy rags, as Isaiah says, but in the righteousness alone of Christ. We found in him not having our own righteousness, but that which is through faith in Christ. I thank you again for the book of Galatians where it clearly delineates that salvation is not by the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Help us to be your good servants, obedient unto you in all things, to be an example to the world of what a Christian should be. And help anyone that's here that does not know you come to that realization today or soon, before it's too late. Help us to be your missionaries, your ambassadors to the world, that we might present the gospel to others so that they can know him as well. Your law is perfect, we are not. But may we strive to live according to your word in all things we say and do. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.